are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, I encourage you to head over to Facebook and find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and there you'll be able to interact with other followers and listeners. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria. All good and holy God, we thank you for the life of your servant Maria of Agreda. May we follow her holy example and shun the allurements of the world and abandon ourselves to your perfect will. Like her, may we enter into the quiet of heartfelt prayer and find your presence deep in the silence of our souls. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Immaculate Conception, may we pursue with deepest longing a profound purity of heart, mind, and body. By the prayerful help of Venerable Maria of Agreda, may we become holy and radiate the light and life of Christ to all we meet. Amen. Today is day number 103. We are reading from Volume 2, Chapter 9, beginning with paragraph 99 and continuing through 108. Chapter 9. The Most High renews all his favors and benefits in the Most Holy Mary, and as the ultimate preparation for the Incarnation, makes her sovereign and queen of all the universe. 99. On the last day of the novena of the immediate preparation of the tabernacle, which he was to sanctify by his coming, the Mosai resolved to renew his wonders and multiply his tokens of love, repeating the favors and benefits which up to this day he had conferred upon the Princess Mary. But the Almighty chose to work in such a way that in drawing forth from his infinite treasures his gifts of old, he always added thereto such as were new. All of these different kinds of wonders were appropriate to the end he had in view, lowering his divinity to the human nature and raising a woman to the dignity of the mother of God. In descending to the lowliness of man's estate, God neither could nor needed to change his essence. For remaining immutable in himself, he could unite his person to our nature. But an earthly woman, in ascending to such an excellence, that God should unite with her and become man of her substance, apparently must traverse an infinite space and be raised so far above other creatures as to approach God's infinite being itself. 100. The day had arrived in which Most Holy Mary was to reach the last stage and be placed so close to God as to become his mother. In that night, at the hour of greatest silence, she was again called by the same Lord as it had happened on the other days. The humble and prudent queen responded, My heart is prepared, Psalm 107.2. My Lord and exalted sovereign, let thy divine pleasure be fulfilled in me. Immediately she was, as on the preceding day, born body and soul by the hands of her angels to the Empyrean and placed in the presence of the royal throne of the Most High. And his divine majesty raised her up and seated her at his side, assigning to her the position and throne which she was to occupy forever in his presence. Next to the one reserved for the incarnate word, it was the highest and the most proximate to God himself, for it excelled incomparably that of any of the other blessed and that of all of them together. 101. From this position, she saw the divinity by an abstractive vision, as at other times and his majesty, hiding from her the dignity of the mother of God, manifested to her such unusual and such high sacraments that on account of their sublimity 
and my insignificant capacities, I cannot describe them. Again, she saw in the divinity all things created and many other possible and future ones. The corporeal things God manifests in made known to her by corporeal and sensible images, as if they had been presented to her ocular vision. The fabric of the universe, which before this she had known in parts, now appeared to her in its entirety, distinctly pictured as upon canvas, with all the creatures contained therein. She saw the harmony, order, connection, and dependence of each toward each, and of the divine will which had created them, governs, and preserves them, each in its place and mode of existence. Again, she saw all the heavens and the stars, the elements and those that lived in them, purgatory, limbo, hell, and all the occupants of these caverns, just as the position of the queen of creation was above all creatures, and inferior only to that of God. So also the knowledge given to her was superior to that of all created things, being inferior only to that of the Lord. 102. While thus the heavenly lady was lost in admiration of what the Almighty showed to her, and was wrapped in praise and exultation of the Lord, his majesty spoke to her and said, My chosen dove, all the visible creatures which thou beholdest, I have created and preserved in all their variety and beauty by my providence, solely for the love of men, and from all the souls which I have until now created, and which are predestined to be created unto the end. I shall choose and select the congregation of the faithful, who shall be set apart and washed in the blood of the Lamb, in the redemption of the world. They shall be the special fruit of his redemption, and they shall enjoy its blessings through the new law of grace and the sacraments to be instituted by the Redeemer. And afterwards, those that persevere shall partake of my eternal glory and friendship. For these chosen ones I have primarily created these wonderful works, and if all of them would strive to serve me, adore, and acknowledge my holy name as far as I am concerned, I would for each and every one of them create these great treasures and assign all over to them as their possession. 103. And if I had created only one being capable of my grace and glory, I would have made it the Lord and Master of all creation. For this would be a much smaller favor than to make it partaker of my friendship and of eternal happiness. Thou, my spouse, shall be my chosen one, and thou hast found grace in my sight, and therefore I make thee mistress of all these goods, and I give thee dominion and possession of them all, so that, if thou art a faithful spouse according to my wishes, thou mayest distribute and dispose of them according as thou desirest, and according as thy intercession shall direct. For this is the purpose for which they are given into thy possession." Therewith the Most Blessed Trinity placed a crown on the head of our Princess Mary, consecrating her as the Sovereign Queen of all creation. Upon it was spread and enameled the inscription, Mother of God, but its meaning was known, but its meaning was not known to her at this time. The heavenly spirits, however, knew it, and they were filled with admiration at the magnificence of the Lord toward this maiden, most fortunate and blessed among womankind. They revered and honored her as their legitimate queen and as sovereign of all creation. 104. All these portents of love, the right hand of the Most High wrought according to the order, most befitting as infinite wisdom. For before coming down to assume flesh in the virginal womb of this lady, it was proper that all his courtiers should acknowledge his mother as their queen and mistress, and give her due honor as such. It was certainly proper and just that God should first make her queen, 
before making her mother of the prince of eternities. For she that was to bear a prince most necessarily first must be a queen, and be acknowledged as queen by her vassals. That the angels should know her as mother was not improper, nor was there any necessity of concealing it from them. But on the other hand, it seemed, due to the majesty of the divinity, that the tabernacle chosen for his indwelling should appear before them prepared and adorned with all that was the highest in dignity and perfection, in nobility and magnificence to the full extent in which it was possible. Thus, then, was she presented to the holy angels, and recognized by them as their honored queen and lady. 105. In order to put the last touch to this prodigious work of preparing the Most Holy Mary, the Lord extended his powerful arm and expressly renewed the spirit and the faculties of the great lady, giving her new inclinations, habits, and qualities, the greatness and excellence of which are inexpressible in terrestrial terms. It was the finishing act and the final retouching of the living image of God, in order to form in it and of it the very shape into which the eternal word the essential image of the Eternal Father, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, and the figure of his substance, Hebrews 1.3, was to be cast. Thus, the whole temple of Most Holy Mary, more so than that of Solomon, was covered with the purest gold of the divinity inside and out, so that nowhere could be seen in her any grossness of an earthly daughter of Adam. Her entire being was made to shine forth the divinity, for since the divine word was to issue from the bosom of the Eternal Father, to descend to that of Mary, he provided for the greatest possible similarity between the mother and the father. 106. No words at my disposal could ever suffice to describe, as I would wish the effects of these favors in the heart of our great queen and mistress. Human thought cannot conceive them, how, then, can human words express them? But what has caused the greatest wonder in me, when I considered these things in the light given to me, in the humility of this heavenly woman, and the mutual contest between her humility and the divine power? Rare and astonishing prodigy of humility, to see this maiden, most holy Mary, though raised to the supremest dignity and holiness next to God, yet humiliating herself and debasing herself below the meanest of the creatures, so that by the force of this humility no thought of her being destined for the motherhood of the Messiah could find entrance into her mind. And not only this, she did not even have a suspicion of anything great or admirable in herself. Psalm 131. Her eyes and heart were not elated, on the contrary. The higher she ascended by the operation of the right hand of her God, so much the more lowly were her thoughts concerning herself. It was therefore just that the Almighty should look upon her humility, Luke 1, 48, and that therefore all generations should call her fortunate and blessed. Instruction which the Queen and Mistress of Heaven gave me. 107. My daughter, the soul that has only a selfish and servile love is not a worthy spouse of the Most High, for she must not love or fear like a slave, nor is she supposed to serve for her daily wages. Yet, although her heart must be a filial and generous love on account of the excellence and immense goodness of her spouse, she must, nevertheless, also feel herself much bounden to him. When she considers how rich and liberal he is, how, on account of his love for souls, 
He has created such a variety of visible goods in order that they might serve those who serve him, and especially when she considers how many hidden treasures he has in readiness in the abundance of his sweetness. Psalm thirty twenty. For those that fear him as his true children, I wish that thou feel deeply obliged to thy Lord and Father, thy spouse and friend, at the thought of the riches given to those souls who become his dearest children. For as a powerful father, he holds in readiness these great and manifold gifts of his children, and if necessary, all of his gifts, for each one of them in particular. In the midst of such motives and incentives of love, the disaffection of men is inexcusable, and at the sight of so many blessings given without measure, their ingratitude is unpardonable. 108. Remember also, my dearest, that thou wast no foreigner or stranger in this house of the Lord, his holy church. Ephesians 2.19. But thou wast made a domestic and a spouse of Christ among the saints, favored by his gifts and by the dowry of a bride. Since all the treasures and riches of the bride belong to the legitimate spouse, consider of how great possessions he makes the participant and mistress. Enjoy them all, then, as his domestic, and be zealous for his honor as a much-favored daughter and spouse. Thank him for all these works and benefits, as if they had all been prepared for thee alone by the Lord. Love and reverence him for thyself and for all thy neighbors, to whom God has been so liberal. In all this imitate with thy weak faculties that which thou hast understood of what I have done. I assure thee also, daughter, that it will be very pleasing to me if thou magnify and praise the Omnipotent with fervent affection for the favors and riches which, beyond all human conception, the divine right hand showered upon me. This concludes our reading today for day number 103. We have been reading from volume 2, chapter 9, paragraphs 99 to 108. I think one of the interesting aspects of our reading today comes to us in paragraph 101. Again, she saw all the heavens and the stars, the elements and those that lived in them, purgatory, limbo, hell, and all the occupants of these caverns. So Mary, as queen of heaven and earth, now is granted again this vision. And I think what's so interesting here is, well, she sees these things. So her son Jesus is going to be preaching about the kingdom of heaven. He's going to tell parables what the kingdom of heaven is like. And here you have the Blessed Virgin who's already seen heaven because of this vision that God has given to her, that God has allowed her to see. And then she sees hell. She sees that place of separation from God where souls are tormented. Again, another interesting component of this is that then Mary will go on in her own apparitions when she comes to earth and speaks to different children and such, will show them visions of heaven and visions of hell, that they will be able to see these things because of the Blessed Virgin. And just as Mary came to understand them, well, then they understand it in a unique way as well. And then they communicate it. They share that story, which then we hear, And that inspires us to want to seek heaven and wants us then to really mean that prayer that Our Lady taught at Fatima, save us from the fires of hell. Because once we understand what hell is, then we don't want to be there ever. We don't even want to risk that. 
Hell is a place of complete separation from God. And of course, we know in lots of different images is depicted with fire and such. That's one of the horrifying visions that the children in Fatima saw, that Our Lady allowed them to see hell. It scared those little children in Fatima. It should scare us as well. Let us ask Mary's prayers to help us so that we might attain our eternal goal. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.